I respectfully acknowledge the people of the Yugambeh language region, the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, and pay my respects to their elders past and present, and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Welcome back to Miss Inclusivity, the podcast. Uh, my name is Bridget, your host, as always. Today we are joined by the lovely Haley. Welcome, Haley, to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. This is so exciting. Um, so we are going to be talking about being a teacher with a chronic illness. Um, this is a topic we actually haven't spoken about on the podcast before. So I'm really excited, really excited for Haley to jump on and share her side of the story. But we always start every single episode with the same question, if it's a new guest, and that is what made you want to be a teacher? So I originally graduated uni with a double degree in design and business, but once I graduated and had been working in the industry, I had just this pull in my belly to work with kids. I think I really made a mistake when I was studying. Like I think deep down I knew that I didn't want to do this long-term, but you know, you're already going through the four years of a degree. I didn't want to just stop it. Um, and I also didn't want to go back to uni for four years. Like I just had that, like a limiting belief, I guess. But once I graduated, I found out that you could do your master's of teaching in two years. So I jumped straight into that and never looked. <laughs> I've always loved kids and was really inspired by teachers that I'd had growing up, especially my grade five teacher. She was very warm, very inclusive, and just made everyone feel special. And so I really wanted to be like her and to help kids grow. Yeah, that's so lovely. It's so nice when um you have that teacher that you remember forever. It's amazing. I love that so much. What yeah. would you say has been um, a highlight of your teaching career so far? Oh, it's so hard to choose. It's just so many. I think definitely seeing the growth that the kids have day to day and throughout the whole year, that light bulb moment when the kids understand a tricky concept is truly just such an amazing thing. Another would be building the positive relationships with the kids. I have past students come and visit me daily and it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy knowing that I've made an impact on their life and their learning. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I love that they come and visit you. But on the flip side, what would you say has been one of the challenges of your teaching degree so far and why? If it is what we speak about today, don't go into too much, but any of the challenges of teaching career? (laughs) I definitely think it would be dealing with some of the hard things in my personal life and then coming to work and pretending that I'm the happiest person on the planet for my kids. So in a way, it's a blessing because it's amazing distraction, Um, but it's really challenging because I still wanted to be the best teacher I could while dealing with, I had the grief from losing two really close loved ones in my first year teaching and then dealing with what I'm going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was really, really tough, but um, the kids do make it a lot easier because they're just a breath of fresh air and they just have no idea that there's negative stuff going on. So it makes you more positive, I guess. Yeah. So do you, in that regard, do you let students know that you are having a bit of a sad day? Do you let them know about your I emotions? Do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there has been a time where I have teared up as well and been like, look, I'm not having a good day. And the kids, like, I have grade three students and they're just so good. They, and they, I was actually really surprised they didn't ask many questions which I thought they would, but it was nice because I wasn't ready to answer all the questions. 
But um, it was really nice. They just had this awareness of, okay, Miss Neve's not doing too well. We're just going to let her be and just, you know, they, I don't know, they just have that emotional awareness, which you don't expect kids to have, I guess, at that age. But they yeah. do. Yeah, no, it is it is a really good skill to teach. Like, obviously, some teachers say that they don't want the students to know when they're having a really bad day and they just want to, like, leave it at the door. But like you say, coming into the classroom and you have, you know, between anywhere between like 20, 25, 26, 28 um, students in the class who can uplift you and really make you feel better. Why not use that? And why not literally give the students that social skill of emotional awareness of adults get sad too. It's not just a little child who's getting upset because their pencil isn't sharpened. It's an adult too, you know? So exactly. I, I do like that you did share that. That's actually incredible. Um, so you teaches them that resilience. Sorry. No, 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 you um, go. Yeah, it does teach them resilience. I agree. Yeah. And I love that. that. You know, you can be sad but still keep going, I guess. Like even when you feel like you can't. <laughs> You know, it does teach those other skills as well, as well as just keeping them in your life. Because some days I haven't wanted to talk about it, but then the days that are really hard, you kind of need to because you're not yourself and you're trying to be, but it's hard to be exactly the same as what you would be on a super happy day. Yeah, you're literally modelling to them the emotional regulation and, you know, the growth mindset of pushing on even though that you really, really, really don't want to. So that's absolutely incredible. I really admire you for that. I hope I can do that this year. Um, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I hope so. And um, so we alluded to it a little bit earlier that today we're going to be speaking about um, being a teacher with a chronic illness. Um, and Hilly is has offered to share her journey with all of these things and what a chronic illness is and which one she has and how she's navigated that through teaching also. Um, so I feel like this is going to be a really, 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 really beneficial episode um, to anybody listening and particularly females, obviously, as well. Um, but firstly, let's start with the chronic illness that you have. How did you find that you have this? And, um, feel free to share this with all the listeners because this information may help others listening to the podcast. Amazing. Thank you. So I have endometriosis, which was officially, officially diagnosed through a laparoscopy surgery towards the end of last year. After spending all year long with excruciating pain that was just getting progressively worse each day. I'd had lots of tests throughout the year and nothing was coming up and I was struggling to even walk by this stage. And I had an internal ultrasound, which showed what looked like endo. However, many people, it doesn't even show on the ultrasound. So I was lucky in that sense. Um, But having the surgery is the only way to actually diagnose endo and to also find where it has spread to. So I had a really, really wonderful gynecologist and surgeon um, but they said, unfortunately, it was the worst case that they had ever seen. Um, it was everywhere. It had oh my covered gosh. my entire abdomen wall and wow. it was all over my organs, which I just thought was crazy because I had no idea it could be in the places that it was. Like there are just so many misconceptions around endometriosis. And I think it needs to be talked about more because it's a whole body disease. It's not just a reproductive disease. It's like a chronic pain condition been found on so many organs in the body such as your your bladder bowel kidney just causes so many symptoms wow I had no idea I literally thought it could be like if actually I don't even know that much you're educating me more on this is it on the uterus or is it on um your ovaries it can be mainly yeah so it starts it starts from your reproductive area um yeah but it spread. So how my um, gynecologist explained it to me, and it's I probably needed some visual to show, but every time a woman has a cycle, it 
and um, you have your period and, then, and it comes out that way. If it comes, if you've got endometriosis, it also comes out your fallopian tubes and then attaches to different areas in your body. I'm probably not explaining that great because I'm not a gynecologist, but that's kind of in layman's terms how she explained it to me. So that's how it was attaching to areas outside of that reproductive area. Um, there's also, I always mispronounce this word. It's like, I, I will I will not say it right. It's like, I, I don't know how to say it. It starts with an A. And it's another form of endometriosis, but it's within the uterus. Um, right. And I don't, I don't know a heap about that, but it causes excruciating pain as well. Some women have both. They have the one within the uterus and they have endometriosis or some have one or the other. And they just cause so much pain. And some women have the pain just within um, their cycle or within their period week. Mm. Um, but I... But for me personally, I had it all month long and it would get worse during my cycle week. But I got to the point where I couldn't walk the entire month and it, every day was just getting worse. And that's why when I was like, something is really wrong. Yeah, like, you should be able to is... just do normal human being things without being in pain. Yeah. What? How? Yeah. Okay, right. That's actually crazy because we were talking about this before we started recording. Is today, funny we were recording this episode today is because this is day one of my cycle now. So obviously everybody knows it's day one of your period. And I, yeah. I'm sort of lucky, but I've grown up and I've just been in a lot of pain like a all the time like I've had so much pain and I remember in high school pretty much every single month I would have to go home um because of that's how much pain I was in but now for me I'm kind of lucky it's only on day one but day one I literally usually really 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 struggled to get out of bed I'm the exactly same as you I look I literally look like I'm about six months pregnant for the first day I'm like oh this is really worrying um yeah obviously like Nurofen and Panadol do help because obviously Nurofen is a, oh, sorry, what, what is it? Ibuprofen. I shouldn't be calling it by the brand name. Yeah. My nurse partner. Anti-inflammatory. Right <laughs> He's like, it's not Nurofen, it's Ibuprofen. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I can't do anything until I have that, but I can't have that until I have something in my belly. So it's like, yeah. I literally cannot start my day until about, I probably say literally, I reckon about 10 minutes before we started recording is when I could literally start my day because you have to wait until something's in your belly. Otherwise I'm one of those people that if I have ibuprofen, actually you're not meant to have ibuprofen on an empty stomach anyway. Look at us health professionals. Look at us talking about this. (laughs) We're like talking about the different like symptoms and all these sorts of things and medications and oh gosh. But yeah, I like, I just could not imagine the fact that you are going I thought that endometriosis was only just while you had the cycle, but to the point where you could not walk yeah. every single day. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like, how did you teach? Like, I just don't understand. How I, I truly don't know. <laughs> but I think, and even my partner would be like, you shouldn't be going today. And I had like, I had, you know, amazing colleagues um, and they'd be like, you should go home. But I was just trying so hard to not go home. Like I just wanted to be there. Um but when I finally found out what was going on, it just was a bit of a, a, little, a bit of a wake up call to listen to my body, but also that, you know, the pain is real and I'm not making it up or I'm not exaggerating. Cause I started to, when it was going on for so long, I started to just think, am I making this worse than what it is? Or is this in my head? I started feeling like I was going crazy because the tests that I was having were coming back negative before I had the ultrasound and before I actually had, um, medical professionals who would listen and like it's really hard because it is that thing where if you did have the ultrasound and it didn't come up you're kind of stuck like 
what do you do next? And I was lucky that it came up. Um, and even if it didn't, I had a gynecologist that was ready to ready to operate and see what was going on because she was convinced that this was what I had. But it's it's really hard for women. Yeah, very, very seriously. Difficult. Yeah. So did you so you said you had to get a internal um ultrasound is so technically is that a surgery? So internal ultrasound is where um so usually you would have one over the top of your stomach. This one goes inside. So you're awake. And okay, you're awake. Okay. Yeah. And like lots of women have it for all different things. And usually it's not painful. When I had it, it was very, very painful, obviously, because there was so much going on. Um, and she knew the ultrasound, like I don't know what I can't remember what they called my sister who's a nurse as well, will be like, they have a name. <laughs> it was so lovely. And she pretty much told me straight away, look, I think you've got it but you know your doctor will go through it with you and it was really grateful for that. I don't think they usually whether they're meant to tell you or not I'm not sure but I just I needed answers I needed her mm. to tell me that she could see something because I was in so much pain yeah okay well that's good then because I have seen a lot of um like friends that they have to get that keyhole surgery a lot it is like yeah, three points so where was... you actually have to get the surgery so you haven't had yeah, to go so that far yet no no I had that that was the laparoscopy so that's how I got diagnosed so I had the full wow. surgery and that's how they so I had that end of last year I had close to I think six I might have had I can't remember if I had like I think I had four weeks full-time off work and then went back part-time for two weeks and it was yeah, it was very full on because because it was everywhere. They had to cut it from everywhere. So I was like, I went up about four sizes in in pants because I was that small. I was already very bloated, like you were saying. Like for the for the month long, I'd already had to go up sizes. But after surgery, like I bought other clothes that were going to be comfortable to you know recover in, and my mum had to go out and get more because they weren't big enough and. I spent two weeks in bed where I couldn't actually get out of bed after the surgery, which, and I spent, I think, three three or four days in the hospital, then went home, had two weeks in bed, and then had two weeks then where I just moved to the couch. But I could I could barely move, and that was a bit of, I didn't realise how, I knew it was going to be painful, I knew it was going to be a really painful surgery, but I think because it was in so many places and it was a lot more severe and complicated than we had anticipated that that's why it um yeah it was it was very invasive yeah so you had to have four weeks off during the term is that what you're saying yeah and then I went back only part-time for two weeks with another teacher helping me out at school because I just couldn't do the normal work the normal workload even though I really wanted to but I had so much support at school which was just incredible I'm so grateful for that because I would have really struggled if I didn't have that support yeah. at work oh that's so lucky that you had all that support and there were really willing to help you out there because obviously it gets to a point where you really need to take a step back and look after your health and you've pushed yeah. yourself for so long to be there for all your kids which it's really hard to move away from but you really pushed yourself to get this surgery and you took the time to recover and I mean how are you feeling now? Um, I'm, de- I'm definitely like I've definitely had improvement since before the surgery um, but I'm still dealing with like a lot of different things so I guess the thing with endometriosis is it affects everyone differently and it depends on the stage of endo and the symptoms that you have um and I guess I was really before I had the surgery because I was struggling so much not only mentally but obviously physically I was used to just going to work coming home being bed couch ridden like I couldn't have no social life and 
I guess now that I'm recovering from surgery, I'm trying to adapt to a new normal because mm. I couldn't do anything else then but really wanted to. And that's the same now, even though like I've seen such big improvements, which is amazing, but I'm but I'm still kind of dealing with the mental side of things where there isn't a cure for endo. And so at the moment I'm trying to get through the fact that it will come back and I'm really grateful that I can do some more things. I'm still definitely in the recovery process because it wasn't that long ago that I had it. Um, and I know I will keep recovering and, and be better, but it's still, it's still hard because there's no cure. And I am trying to adapt to a new normal because fatigue is such a big one as well. And I think even on the high pain days, like sometimes I can just push through the pain, but the fatigue, you just feel like you need to crawl up and go to bed. Yeah. Which is really hard because you can't, one, you can't do that as a teacher. But two, you, you need some you, you need some other things in your life other than work that is, you know, keeping your mental health high. And so that's that's really challenging. And I am still navigating that, I guess. Yeah. So um that probably leads on to the next question anyway, is um how have you tackled some of the challenges faced with um last year's teaching? Um with this whole situation going on at the same time, did you um, take some steps to look after your mental health at the same time as well? Like exercising anything, what did you do? Share the tips with all the listeners. So self-care is definitely something really, really important to me. I think it can look different for me depending on my pain levels, but things like having a bath or reading a book. I've absolutely loved fiction, fiction books at the moment. They're the one thing that just slows my mind and takes me to another place and really allows me to switch off, which is really great. And I also love watching good Netflix and snuggling up on the couch with my dog. Yes. <laughs> and if the sun's out, like soaking up that vitamin D as well. Um, I think it's also important to say no to extra commitments if your body and mind has had enough. Um, and that goes for everyone, not just people with um, a chronic illness. Like there's always a point where your body's like, okay, no, like you need to just slow down, whether that's in work or out of work. Um, and if something doesn't feel right, you need to listen to your body because it's better to get things checked out than to not, like you never know. Um, mm. And it's really important to have people to talk to and rely on. Like I've been seeing a psychologist for many years and she's honestly amazing. Um, I have a really great partner who's been my rock throughout this time and family and friends that I can chat to about things, as well as I mentioned before, like my workplace being um, really supportive. Because um, I think, yeah, the biggest thing about having a chronic illness is that it can feel really isolating and lonely. So having some self-care practices ready to go and some people who you can talk to is definitely important. And I have no, by no means mastered this. <laughs> I cry all the time and I'm still trying to navigate the whole thing, especially on the high pain days, but I try my best to be open with how I'm feeling, even if it is just to one person, at least one person. And that's really helped me to not often like shut people out I guess um and like I want your listeners to know like my dms are always open on instagram like I'm always happy to chat if anyone is struggling with anything similar to this or even just mental health things because yeah it is isolating and especially when you're in the like the depth of it like I still feel like before I had the surgery like that was so terrifying to me because I one I didn't know if they were going to go in there and not actually find anything I didn't know and then mm -hmm. when I found out that it was it was quite bad and, you know, all the information that, you know, your surgeon gives you after, it's really overwhelming. And, like, I was lucky to have a really great, empathetic, knowledgeable surgeon, but 
um, it's still a lot to take on and it's a lot to process and, you know, I've said navigate a million times, but that's, good. that's what it is. It's really it just trying to yeah. get it all out and that's really, really hard to do. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you've done an amazing job. And like you say, like saying no to things is really important because you were speaking before about the fatigue part about having a chronic illness. Like that takes a toll on anyone. And then as, as well, like teachers in general just talk about fatigue with or without a chronic illness. So you're dealing yeah. with the fatigue from the teaching side of things because you have to stand in front and give your all to however many students every single day whilst also dealing with the fatigue from a chronic illness. So absolutely props to you. I Totally believe in you saying that you need to take the time to say no and do your own thing because fatigue is like super, super important to be t- getting on top of because um, to stop yourself from burning out as well in many, many forms for you as well because not only do you have, you could get burnout from the chronic illness but also burnout from teaching also. Um, yeah. But wow, so, so much information there. I really appreciate it, Haley. Oh, my goodness. That's and you're okay. an absolute trooper. Um, is there any other steps forward that, you know, that are going to be happening this year in regards to um, navigating through this chronic illness? Um, I am seeing a physio at the moment, which I'm only in the very early stages of that. So I probably can't talk too much on that yet because I haven't really gone through it yet. But that will be a big one. Staying, like I see my surgeon quite regularly and just talking through anything staying on top of the symptoms um yeah I'm I'm not too sure I, I really want to get back exercising even if it's just walk because I'm not even really going for a walk with my dog at the moment so I'm still trying to get back to that because that was that's a ma- major self-care thing too to just be able to go mm. for a nice walk I love being out in nature so that's a big goal for me this year is to get back to being more active and um be outdoors and getting to do those things which is really nice I did want to share something that really links back to at the beginning when we spoke about um, keeping your kids like informed with not obviously didn't I didn't tell them I had endometriosis but like keeping them informed with like how you're feeling and that sort of thing because it actually was so lovely when they knew that I was going to be away and I was going to be away for school camp which I was so devastated for yeah um, and one of my colleagues told the kids that because I just I didn't think I ha- could tell them I was going to be away for a long period of time it was. I still hadn't come to terms with it. Anyway, I'm away. I'm probably away three weeks by this point. And one of my colleagues dropped off a whole bag filled with cards that my kids had made. And I just burst into tears of joy because it was just so thoughtful and they just <clears throat> made me feel so loved. And I was just struggling so much mentally at that time. And it just reminded me of how positive our impact is as teachers to the kids' mm. lives. And it was just so moving and special. And I just wanted people to know that you can still love your job and be really great at your job while also having a chronic illness diagnosis. Like it doesn't have to take away all the positive things from your life, even though it can, it can feel like that sometimes, but you just can't let it. Like there are so many beautiful things about our career and our lives in general, and you can't let it take it away. No, definitely not. I love that so much. That would have been the most beautiful thing to receive also because yeah, obviously at that time, three weeks in, um, you've pretty much were inside majority of the time. So that is such a, a nice, nice little tidbit and a nice little tidbit to end the podcast. Oh, yes. thank you so much, <laughs> Hayley, for sharing all of that beautiful information. Now, where can everybody find you on all of the socials? Share yourself, give yourself a shout out, go for it. <laughs> um, so it's at Teach with Hayley Grace on Instagram and on TikTok. Awesome. So I will put that in the show notes for you guys as well. So there'll be links in there for you guys to go and follow Haley. 
um, and follow along with her journey and navigating through teaching with a chronic illness as well. But thank you so much again, Hayley, for jumping on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, share, giving people a platform to share these sorts of topics with others because it's it's so important because everyone's so different. Everyone has different stories. And I think you just do such an amazing job doing that for everyone. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Honestly, I really appreciate everybody coming on and sharing their stories because, teaching and education and all these things it's not just you know all right let's do a lesson plan and that's what I was going to share on my podcast I wanted yeah. everybody to be able to share their passions and what they wanted to share around education so I really appreciate it Hayley and thank you again thank you thank you see you guys <laughs> next time